I'm afraid you're going to have to forgive me this morning. This week I learned an extremely valuable lesson. If you are already getting a cold, do not sleep rough in support of the homeless for 13 hours or that cold will get even worse. So if I am barking through most of this, please bear with me. Here we are continuing our journey through John. And this week, as I began to prepare, it's a wonder, it never ceases to amaze me how much in control God actually is. And how, though he doesn't operate within our time frame, that as we journey through John on this Pentecost Sunday, that we should find ourselves in John chapter 16, where Jesus is talking about the comfort and the help and the Holy Spirit that he will give after he had left the disciples, and which he continues to give to his disciples today. On the flight to Edinburgh on Tuesday, I was reminded of the words by the aircraft staff that if you hear the words, brace, brace, And in our reading this morning, Jesus is telling his disciples just to do exactly that. He's telling them to brace themselves for what is ahead, but he is also telling us as a church to brace ourselves for what could happen when the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus didn't want his disciples to be offended at the things that might happen to them after he departed. He's telling them that if they are going to follow him, they must take up their cross. And we, as we continue to follow him today, must similarly do the same. Jesus warns his disciples that they will be put out of the synagogue, excommunicated from the centers of worship that they had grown up in all their lives. The worst thing possible that could have happened to a Jew in Jesus' day. Because to be a member of the local synagogue was to be part of what was happening socially in the community. And if these men and women are to follow Jesus, they will be excluded. That is what it would cost for these men to stand boldly for Jesus. As we journey our way through chapter 16. How strange some of the sayings of Jesus appear at first sight. Excommunication, suffering, death, all warnings to the disciples from the Prince of Peace. Warning his disciples that far from receiving their message with gratitude, the world would hate them and may even put them to death. In John 16, 16, we read, Jesus said to the disciples, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief I will turn into joy. I don't know about you, but as I read these words, I think that if someone tells me bad news and then good news, it's often hard to focus on the good, especially if the promise of future hope is in the face 
of present suffering. Our minds often, don't they, tend to latch on to the immediate problems when the future seems such a far way off. But as we journey through this chapter, what we need to do is to put Jesus' words and promises into context. And to put them into context, we need to go back to the beginning. How does Scripture begin? It begins with God creating a dark, formless mass. It begins with God's Spirit brooding over the waters, a picture of potential of raw materials that an artist needs to shape it into something beautiful. And after God brings order, God speaks, let there be light, and there is light. And the process of beginning the universe in all its diversity into being begins. Light is important. How often Have we seen that as we have journeyed through the gospel according to John? How many times have we seen him mention light? In the beginning was the word, and the light shone in the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. And John deliberately chooses to echo the opening words of Genesis because the person that he is going to describe who is of eternal significance is not just a figure who was conceived, born, walked the earth for 33 years or so, died, disappeared from history, but is one who was involved in the very creation itself, the very fabric of existence. The one who created the world warns his disciples that the world will reject and scorn him. them. And he was light, true light that darkness can never master. The light shows us the way and give life. And after three amazing years or so of basking in the light of the world, the disciples are coming to see that that light is going to disappear, that that light is going to leave them, that that light that had shown them the way through ministry for those three years would depart this earth. And as Jesus gives that analogy to his disciples, he also talks about their grief that will come from his departure as being like a woman in labor. Because though whilst it may be agonizing at the time, it would soon be forgotten because the joy of the new life that would come into the world would be complete. And even though the disciples could not see it yet, a new life was being born into the world, one in which they would share, born again, reborn into life as spirit-filled disciples, not distant from God, not servants or ignorant pupils or people desperately trying to prove their worth to God by asserting that they were descendants of Abraham or law-abiding Jews, but friends, children, even of God, with an intimate relationship with him as spirit flowed into them and laid, led their spirits. Jesus promises 
that after his departure, comfort will come, and comfort will come in the shape of his spirit. This morning marks Pentecost, and Pentecost was part of the Jewish calendar. It came 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits, which itself was celebrated a couple of days after Passover. And as we explore the festival of, sorry, <coughs> we see a parallel of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus that flows through these Jewish feasts. Passover involved the slaying and eating of a lamb, along with herbs and breads made out of yeast in every Jewish household. This was done to remember Israel's deliverance from Egypt. The feast of first fruits involved the barley harvest being presented at the temple as an offering. Pentecost then was celebrated as a festival of joy. And we have read in our reading this morning that we are to have joy because God and Jesus has overcome the world. So this morning, on this, the day of Pentecost, we enter into that joy that has been made complete. The feast of Pentecost, I'm sure you know, is celebrated as the day in which the birth of the church came into being. And at that great day, there was a gathering of multitudes from all over the kickoff day for the church. There were no buildings. There were no structures in place. No leaders' meetings, programs, bills to pay, or gardens to keep in weed. However, there was Scripture. The promise that God is with us. In John 16, verses 5 to 11, we read in the words of Jesus, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. You see, the Holy Spirit was sent so that Jesus would be glorified in the life and witness of his believers. Jesus had lived and died, a life testified to and evidenced in the truth of God's presence. The Holy Spirit, the evidence of God's power from heaven, working in the church and in individual lives of believers. Change occurs when we are filled with the Spirit. If we look back to the early church, we see a people who were ignited by the Spirit of God. 3,000 people added to their number in one day, considering they had just started with 120 that morning. 
How willing are we this morning to have God's Spirit poured out on his church today? How willing are we to catch his vision and his leading? Just imagine the impact on those hearing the words of the disciples in their own language. Sorry, I didn't think this was going to be as bad as when it started. So what is God saying to us this morning? What is he saying? Despite of my weakness and the, yeah, what is he saying? Basically, he's saying, guys, do not be afraid. I have sent the comforter. I will give you peace. Though you may not understand what it is that you are going through right in this very moment, it will be fulfilled later in me. I have many things to tell you, Jesus says, but you will not understand it now. And as we journey through life, there are things that we cannot and will not possibly understand this side of eternity. But we are promised in our reading this morning that through the Spirit drawing alongside us, comforting us on a daily basis, that we are assured of His presence in our lives, that he is with us in the midst of our pain, that he is with us in the midst of our uncertainty, that he is flowing in and through us as we journey every day. And while the world may not understand us, while the world may persecute us, while the world may reject and scorn us, that in the very midst It's to be expected. Because as we see in our reading this morning, Jesus is journeying towards his death. The very one who created the earth, rejected by it. And if it happened unto him, why would it not happen to us? But through careful relationship with him, through drawing close to him, to understanding who he is and what he is doing, we can encounter the peace, peace that only comes from the comforter that Jesus has given to us. It may be painful. It may be like giving birth, even though I do not know what that experience is like, nor will I ever. But we are promised in our reading that when the baby is born, there is great joy. And this morning, let us, in the midst of uncertainty, let us, in the midst of trial, let us, in the midst of pain and hurt, know the joy and the peace that comes with God's comfort. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that even in our brokenness and in our weakness, you can still impact lives and hearts. We pray that as I have stumbled through your word this morning, that something will have caught our imagination, that something will cling to our hearts, that something will enable us to live our lives differently in the week that lies ahead, and that we as a church may know your spirit falling on us today just as it did on that ancient day. Father, fill us. Father, revive us. Send us out in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.